0: Hello out there in podcast land, and welcome back to another totally awesome episode of the Pop Ninja Podcast. I'm Patrick Bennett, coming to you from the swamplands of Southwest Louisiana. And as soon as we come back from the intro, I'll be joined by my lovely co-host and partner in crime, Miss Lisa Everett. And also we'll be joined by Mr. Christopher Mim, an independent filmmaker. He's a writer, director, producer, cameraman editor, prop builder, costume designer, you name it, he's done it. He wears every hat imaginable in the independent uh, film scene. And don't go away, especially if you're interested in filmmaking, you might learn something. We'll be right back.
1: to the pop ninja podcast where we reminisce about the pop culture of the 70s 80s and beyond from bell-bottom jeans to parachute pants from panama jack shirts to members only jackets from smurfs and scooby-doo to thundar the barbarian if you had a rubik's cube wore a swatch watch was crazy about max headroom or ever wondered who shot jr then this podcast is where you will feel right at home Now, jump in the DeLorean time machine and join your hosts, Lisa and Patrick, as they take you on a pop culture adventure through the greatest decades of all time.
0: Welcome back to the Pop Ninja podcast. Lisa and I are visiting with indie filmmaker Christopher R. Mim, who has the movie company Saint Euphoria and the video production company All for George Productions. Is that right, Chris?
1: That is correct.
0: And he's based out of Indianapolis and he writes, directs, produces, edits and wears many other hats on on the several productions, uh, at least two films a year. That's quite an accomplishment. Welcome to Pop Ninja, Chris.
1: Thanks. If I can make one small correction though, it's Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, what did I say? You said Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh
0: yeah. Whatever. Same, same distance. I mean same. It's difference. kind of the same, you know,
1: <laughs> bland Midwestern city. Yeah. So it's fine. You
2: should you should say Memeapolis.
1: Oh, we're
0: gonna change the name. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that.
2: Mim-i-a-apolis.
0: Yeah. Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah. Minneapolis
2: Yeah. Yeah. So All right.
0: So Chris, uh, would you explain to the audience uh, just the gist of the style of films and uh, and what the Mimiverse
1: is? Sure. So I make what I call new old good bad movies, which um, is a, is a curt small phrase I sort of came up with over years of trying to explain to people what I do, because in essence I make old movies i try to make basically 1950s style b movies so uh you know think of uh, your average creature feature you know i try to make retro monster movies and i try to make them look like old movies but they're new so they're new old movies but you know if you've ever seen some of those cheesy old movies you know that a lot of them are so bad they're good because they just you know they're they're cheeseball they're Oh yeah. Maybe the acting isn't the best, the writing isn't always the best, whatever. So I sort of came up with this new old good-bad movie thing, which is a good way to describe sort of what I'm going for. And really, it's just their micro-budgeted um, creature features made to look like they're super old, uh, but they're brand new.
0: They're very cool, too. I mean, I, I love all those uh, cheesy movies from the 50s, and uh, I, I know exactly what you're trying to do with it. And they're, they're exactly. They're awesome yeah Yeah, Yeah, I
2: remember them I remember them too because um I remember when I was like in the fourth grade which would have been like the late 70s that my uncle had an old like projector and we used to go up to his house and we did see like a movie that had like a big spider in it and we did and he did um he played one with like Sinbad in it and and we looked forward to it all the time and they were they were cheesy but you know I was in fourth grade so to me you know that was like like awesome that was like watching steven spielberg do a movie so when you, yeah. Yeah. When you when said too.
0: sinbad i was thinking about the comedian <laughs>
2: no 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 this is pre pre pre, uh, pre uh, comedian sinbad this was right, like gotcha. sinbad and the seven uh whatever sure. they were bad guys i don't know i don't know what they
1: <laughs> what they were called yeah the seven boys of the sinbad yeah, yeah. no i i grew up uh you know my dad grew up in small 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 town minnesota but it had this little like theater on main street right when back when all the little main streets had single screen theaters and they always got the like the junk right they didn't they get some of the big stuff but then they'd also get the midnight movie stuff and yeah. uh my dad when he was little would sneak off basically skip out on his farm chores and go to the theater and see whatever bad horror movie was playing but he would always get in trouble for it because well he skipped out on his chores but also he couldn't sleep that night because he was freaked out and so my my grandmother was always like you were at the movies you're in trouble. And so growing up in the 70s and 80s my my dad would rent all those old movies you know on on VHS. And so I ended up catching a lot of them through that sort of through osmosis of him watching, you know, this Island Earth or whatever. And I was just like, this is cool. I like that monster. And so I kind of got into it, you know? Um, and plus I'm again, like I said, from Minneapolis, sorry, Minneapolis um, oh. where mystery science theater 3000 was actually originally from. Oh, yeah. So I sort of grew up with, uh, you know, sort of being here before that was a thing um, of watching it on like cable access, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties
0: cool well chris i I found out about you uh, when i was in my office at work one day and i was i was thumbing through a new magazine i discovered called scream remember that Mm -hmm. and lo and behold there in that magazine was like a multi-page story about this uh filmmaker and he was making 50s schlock movies and i'm like you know there was a picture of the poster of the giant spider (laughs)
3: Outside of an atomic blast, the military won't be able to stop that thing.
1: A giant killer mutant spider the size of a grain silo is heading this way, and if you're in its path, it's going to eat you. (laughs)
4: Oh, nuts.
0: And, uh, nice. man, my jaw just dropped open. I couldn't believe it. I, I discovered a filmmaker after my own heart and taste. You know? <laughs> and uh, I, I ran to my the next uh, office and my buddy there. And I was like, man, dude, check out this dude in this magazine. You know, I'm flipping and you could tell I was all excited. But uh, I went back to my uh, computer and I immediately emailed you. I looked you up, found your website. I emailed you and I said, you know, hey, I've got this film festival in Louisiana. I, I love uh, the article, in the magazine. I want to show the giant spider. Can we do that? And, uh, you're like, sure. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you sent sent me a copy and, uh, you were more than, more than happy. And, uh, I got to show it at the film festival. And then I think it was like, uh, right after the screening, I was already emailing you back. Hey man, would you be willing to come to Lake Charles, Louisiana and, you know, do a seminar on independent low budget filmmaking and and screen your next film? And you're like, sure.
1: (laughs) I mean, I, I was so excited. I mean, um, I'm I, I remain stubbornly underground to this day. I, I'm still sort of fighting with trying to get people to pay attention. Um, and so I remember when I got that message from you, it was like, this guy actually likes my stuff. He's heard of me. How cool is that? And and when you invited me down to the film fest, I was like, yeah, I've never been. To, I'd never been to Louisiana before that. And I was just excited uh, to just go, you know, do it um and i had a great time i mean i've been there i went it was like three years in a row and of course you know money and the pandemic kind of pushed all that around but um yeah i did that three years in a row and i just i i loved going to it i met a lot of great people some of whom i still talk to um like often and uh in fact i should say uh i actually got the the uh inspiration to make one of my movies um or it was the the push i needed to make uh um one of my movies was at the, the Lake Charles film festival. Uh, uh, I, I, in 20, um, 2015, uh, I was, I'd finished a movie called Danny Johnson saves the world. And I was down there talking to a bunch of people about it. And I hadn't, hadn't yet decided what movie I wanted to make next. And I had three or four ideas, but I wasn't sold on any of them. And I was sitting around um, sort of on the last day of the festival and I was talking to a bunch of people. I think, I think Patrick was there. Um, yeah. And um, I sort of, someone asked, well, what are you doing next? And I, I, I told what, you know, I, I mentioned one of them. I don't remember what it was, but I said one and the reaction was a little, a little tepid. And I said another one and it was like, Oh, okay, that sounds pretty cool. And then I said, I also have this, this other character. Uh, I've been this monster idea. I've been, sort of playing with for years and i just don't know exactly how to how to do it or how to use it because it needs it needs an angle to be beyond you know just for the story it needs a specific angle and i don't know what the angle is and i said "Well, what's the monster i said it's this thing called a weresquito they're like is that like a werewolf but like a mosquito man kind of a thing and i'm like yeah like he sees blood and then he turns into this monster called a werosquito, right? So it's a man, but then it turns into a giant bug creature that sucks blood. So you get kind of the werewolf thing, but also the vampire thing then the fly and all these things, but I don't know how to use it. Uh, I need an angle for the story to really sell it. And I said, you know, I had an idea for maybe doing a Western that would have it in. And actually weirdly I ended up making a Western later. Um, but it was just like, I had this idea. And I, I said, but I need an angle. I need it to be something, something cool. Like, like, I don't know. And I just said this out loud. And I never said it before. I said, Something like, like, where's Skeeto Nazi Hunter? And as soon as I said that, the crowd was like, oh, they, they reacted <laughs> viscerally. And I was like, well, I think that's what I'm going to make next. <laughs>
2: Brings you to our little corner of nowhere.
0: I'm trying to find an old friend.
2: Yeah? What's his name?
0: Shram. What
2: did this Shram do to you?
3: Real wrath of God type stuff. Tell me where Shram is, or I swear to you, you will regret it. The only person who will be regretting his actions is you.
1: and that's what i made next i just that was the angle it needed and it needed that group of folks down there uh and the act the reaction they got when i said the word the words where skido nazi hunter Boom, that's my next movie right there. And that's what I made.
0: And that was a good one, too. I liked it.
1: Yeah, but that was that was because I was down there just hanging out with folks talking about making movies. And someone said, what are you doing next? And I was like, I don't know. And then it, it just it happened. I think so, you
0: gained yeah. 20 pounds, too, while you were down here.
1: Oh, heck yeah, man. Um, I'm a guy who likes to eat. Uh, and as soon as I get down there, I swear to God, Patrick's just like, Hey man, let's go eat. I'm going to, I'm going to introduce you to some good food. did you were the not alligator. Hated. Oh
2: yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Oh no. Okay.
2: Pretty
1: much <laughs> everything. Everything I had down there was, is like fantastic. And I was eating stuff that even locals are like, you eat that? And it's like, yeah, why not? It's good. <laughs> oh,
0: like oh, Chris, I want to tell you, uh, my dad says hello.
1: Oh, uh, Good. We so actually
0: had our 10th anniversary festival this past weekend and we Fantastic. moved it into an actual movie theater. It was at a Cinemark theater. And my dad gets there and he's like, hey, where, where's your friend that makes the spooky movies? I'm like, oh, he's not <laughs> here. He's like, oh, he said, I think that's the only reason he showed up. He's what I talked to. Talk to oh, man. Yeah, so he, he, said he loves. Why, wasn't, why
2: wasn't he there?
0: Yeah, Patrick, why was not I there? <laughs> yeah, why wasn't he there? <laughs> Well, we just tried it low key at the the cinema, and oh. because of the the COVID stuff, we we just had the movie screenings. We didn't bring in any any speakers or anything.
1: Oh, so next year?
0: Yeah, yeah. next year definitely. Yeah,
1: man. Uh, yeah. I, and actually, I just I just started doing events again in the last I don't know month. Um, you know, just sort of slowly crawling out of the uh, out from under the rock. You know?
2: Yeah so Chris did you do other movies other than horror movies do you do all kinds of movies
1: honestly um every movie I've ever made has been in the same vein but they're not all necessarily horror movies um, so it could be
2: a horror western movie because you said yeah about a I western? actually okay.
1: uh I've got a, I've got a couple uh, sci-fi films um some monster movies I did um a post-apocalyptic western <laughs> Were you out in the wilderness in the middle of the night. I had to save her. She's special. Hand over the abomination. I have no idea what you're talking about. The kid.
2: Hand over the kid. Think about the current state of this planet and then think about what she could do. Now imagine all that power in the wrong hands. Oh.
1: was actually kind of a post-apocalyptic spaghetti western which um i love spaghetti westerns and i wanted to um to do like a spaghetti western but i I added a post-apocalyptic sort of
2: you should you should have made it um a a lasagna western
1: i mean it kind of works out that really um it's it's a i call it a midwestern because we filmed it here in the winter which i don't know what the hell i was thinking i'm from here and i should have known better than to be shooting outside in the winter but uh uh, it really it could have been like a hot dish Western because, you know, hot oh, dish OK, right
2: like some. Oh, you could do like a gumbo Western like there down go. there in Louisiana. There yeah. you
1: go. A gumbo. And then inexplicably, <laughs> an alligator shows up just because
0: a, a gator, hey. man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. gator yeah. Man. People, man. Yeah. Alligator yeah, people, man. Alligator people. We could make a better movie than the alligator people. Alligator people is a terrible <laughs> movie.
0: <laughs> Dude, I did a midnight screening of that about three years ago and nobody showed
1: <laughs> it's
0: a it's not a good it's Except i mean the workers that was, it was we, we who made that
2: it. who did that
0: oh we did another that, town
1: just so people
0: did you make that
1: no no, no, no. that's a no. that's a really bad one i wish i made it <laughs> yeah i mean it's just, it has a great like monster costume but the story itself is really not great and the monster's yeah. not in it long enough and then it's defeated in the dumbest way and so it's just you know it's not it's not I don't know. I'm, I'm always on the fence on that one because it's a little... It's you got to fight through it to get to the good parts. Yeah. And by the time you get to it, you're kind of like, I don't care. Oh, look, he just stepped in the quicksand. Okay, the end.
2: So that was made by somebody, uh, not either one of you uh, no, that know, was, but that was you, actual... it's a movie that you both yeah, like. That was an
1: actual one from no, a actual thing like Oh, yeah. oh I, I'm,
2: I, Alligator Man or Alligator?
1: It's Alligator, alligator People. people
2: alligator people oh okay i i i think i heard of one called like gator or something like that or alligator but not like lon cheney
0: jr or somebody in there who was the uh or who who was the guy that played the old he was the people oh i can't remember but uh
1: i it was i mean the the monster costume was cool like that's all i remember is that it's actually like kind of like the guy actually has like a like a alligator head and face and yeah. you know it's like a it's like a chest you know like waist up thing so it's not just it's kind
2: of like you the fly. yeah does
1: yeah does he eat, does it, he it, eat people? Uh, I think it wants to eat people. I don't remember if it actually ever does. If it, if it actually
2: gets to hold anybody?
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Like I said, it's just it's it's really it's kind of a it, I always feel like it's just wasted opportunity. Like uh, there's a lot of good there that could have happened, but it it felt like a Uh, You know, just felt like a cheapie where they were just like, let's throw some money at a B picture. And and I feel like that. I
2: I feel like that with most mainstream movies, I feel like there could have been a good story here, but they completely uh, messed it up.
5: Inside this strange, forbidding plantation, on the edge of the death-laden bios, there is a horror beyond belief. A scientist turns his cobalt rays on the revolting, scaly monarchs of the swamps to transform men into hideous living gargoyles, whose faces must be forever hidden from human sight. He didn't have to hit him. Quickest, simplest way, Doctor. But these are people. You don't handle them like animals. Beverly Garland as the unwelcome visitor haunted by the fear that the man she loves has become one of them.
0: What are you doing? I'm
3: not leaving here, Mrs. Hawthorne, until I get the answers to the questions that brought me here. What have you done with my husband?
5: Lon Chaney as the hook-armed, hate-maddened Cajun. I'll kill you alligator, man! Just like I'd kill any four-legged gator! Suspense. That will clutch you like quicksand. Ah! Pulling you down into bottomless depths of suffocating horror. Ah! No! No, no, no! So well, they gotta, I feel you know, like they gotta follow
2: I those don't like many new you know. movies. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but I don't know, like anything past like about 2005, I, I just I'm not into new movies. And so I think it's really cool what you're doing, um, because I think like that's where the, you can get into better quality actual storylines with with less emphasis on the CGI and the budget and the, and, the, um, you know, all the special effects and do a better story you know well
1: i can do whatever i want that's the beauty of it too yeah. I'm, not, I'm not beholden to just you know yeah, I, don't you, to, I don't have to make choices necessarily for any particular market if i want to make something i'm just going to make it because yeah. i want to make it
2: I'm, i live in pennsylvania and um night of the living dead was filmed not oh, too yeah. far from here and that was like a, like one of the first original like lowest budget horror movies independent movies ever made that i can re- think of you know in comparison to like anything you know like that's not a stu- like a main studio movie and right. it did great you know mm-hmm. and i i never saw it until maybe 10 years ago because i was too terrified from just the stuff i'd heard about it you know to watch it
4: mm.
1: <laughs> so
2: you know i don't know I do you have seen it have you seen it oh yeah
1: oh yeah i mean it's yeah. um it's a classic. Um. Yeah,
2: but I but yeah. I would see pictures in like magazines and stuff of the meeting the people. And I just it just scared me. Just the, it just scared me knowing about it. I couldn't watch it. And then I got the courage to watch it like 10 years ago. And then, and I don't know if I've ever been right since then, because I I mean, it was just as scary <laughs> as what I thought it was going to be. So, I mean, it wasn't like, um, you know, I had this build up to it and then, um, you know, it stunk. It was actually terrifying. So, yeah
4: well and, yeah. and it's,
2: so, it, i didn't know if, like, particular you did, do you what, do do you do any like zombie movies or anything like that well, like are they I tend to do monsters? a
1: lot of um i tend to do a lot of twists on classic formulas like i was going to say you know night of the living dead i mean it started a cottage industry um and actually um you know george romero made it and, and i read actually one of the, the funny thing is okay so george romero created this sort of modern zombie film because up to up before that they weren't really you know the living dead it was more the sort of voodoo zombie things right, right yeah. where the, the voodoo would take over your mind and make a blank and you could be controlled kind of a thing uh, and then george romero comes along and suddenly creates uh, you know night of the living dead and popular popularizes the idea of it being the living dead um and that of course now everybody and their mom um you know independent filmmaker makes zombie movies because they're just they're popular and there's a lot of them and and you know it's it's i mean recently what was the the one that was that was the, the big budget one the I don't know, the one that was made by the guy zach snyder um the one in in vegas uh, that made the big you know, army of the dead or whatever it was uh, yeah.
2: like the Shaun of the dead and the, those
1: yeah. kind of uh, yeah but I mean it's like so it's like it's, it's but, like I said it's it's its own cottage industry that all comes from yeah the living well, that's
2: a, that tv series the the walking the Dead. walking
1: dead right yeah and so I read something really sort of sad recently which was you know George Romero is sadly no longer with us uh, but his 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 wife was quoted as saying that that George Romero toward the end felt like No one cared about his legacy, like he didn't make any kind of. He didn't feel like he'd ever really made any real impact. And I was like, that is the saddest thing ever because everybody, you know, if you like horror movies of any kind for the last fifty years, I mean, that guy's, you know, his DNA is in through so much of it because of that one movie and the other, you know, the sort of the other films he made in the genre and. And it's like, wow, I can't believe he, he couldn't see it, you know? Um, but anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I have made sort of a zombie movie. I made a movie called Attack of the Moon Zombies.
3: The bottom of what really happened to you. And what are you supposed to be? So, what is going on? As far as I can tell, all out space plant zombie attack.
1: I like to do mashup sort of things where I took the idea of zombies, but they're not the walking dead per se. Uh, they're actually plant monsters from the moon. Cause that's a very fifties sort of like way of looking at it as no, they're, they're plant monsters. If there's this moon base in the far off future of the 1970s as seen from a fifties lens. Uh, and they find a, a, an alien plant in a cave on the moon. And they bring it into the moon base and it shoots spores in some in one of the character's faces and he dies. Well, of course, then the spores grow, uh, grow over him and turn him into this plant monster that's sort of a mindless zombie, but it's a plant monster. And then it goes around and it shoots spores in other people's faces, turning them into zombies and so on and so forth. So it's very similar in concept that they are, you know, zombies who, instead of biting people, they shoot spores in their face. Uh, and then they turn into these plant monsters and they overrun this this uh, moon base. So I took sort of the the sci-fi, you know, moon base thing, which, you know, there, there's a couple of films from the 50s and 60s that deal with that idea. Uh, and then the zombie tropes of, you know, the dead, in essence, coming back to life, but then added on top of it um, a, a bit of the Day of the Triffids. So, I mean, it was again, like I said, I try to, a, a lot of times I try to mix things up. Um, but that's as close as I've come to actual zombies, except for some hallucinations in my film, house of ghosts.
0: Yeah. Moon zombies hey, I- is probably one of, one of my favorites of yours. And, uh, one thing I liked that, uh, I was telling Lisa, you know, we, we do a lot of seventies and eighties, uh, pop culture stuff on the show. And, and you added that stuff in, if like kind of in the subconscious, you know, like you, you might hear a radio announcement or something coming over the speakers, uh, you know what I'm talking about.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I think um, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, uh, science fiction and horror. Uh, but I really love, like, Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like that. So when I'm doing science fiction stuff, there's always m- nods to, like, uh, the original, you know, Star Trek from the, you know, the 60s, but also the, the next generation from the 80s. So there's a lot of that in there. But then even, like, Battlestar Galactica ends up appearing yeah. in my stuff. Um, I made a I'm- movie called cave women on mars and uh i I put a a computer in it that talks and it does basically the cylon voice you know stuff like that where it's just little hints at things basically i liked when i grew up you know um like i put a line from like ghostbusters in every movie i've ever made just because it's become a thing but also it's one of my favorite movies
0: well chris so what got you started in the making movies i mean you know Did you just uh, wake up one morning and say, "I got to get a camera. I got to go out and film this"? So, what got you started?
1: Well, I've been kind of um, obsessed with the movies since I was little. Um, We used to go. There was a drive-in not too far from where my my folks' place was um, that we used to go to all the time in the summers. and I just, I I just have been obsessed with the movies since I was, as long as I can remember. I think some of my first mem- memories are like seeing Star Wars at the drive-in, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, so I always thought, I always, I always thought about how I wanted to make a movie, but I never really got around to it um, for as much as I wanted to, because it felt like it was something I couldn't achieve because, you know, film was too expensive and I didn't want to, go out to California. I didn't want to do the LA thing. I didn't really want to go to film school even. I just wanted to, you know, write and, and, and make movies. And I'd written some plays in high school and I was actually in play drums in a bunch of bands and stuff. So, I mean, I was sort of around, I don't know, uh, music and theater and actors and, and and just never, no one I knew was sort of connected to any kind of a movie scene. And then when I went to college um, this is the big story, right? This a long story. Uh, I went to college for audio engineering um, because I really thought it'd be fun to record bands. And then I actually got into it and didn't really want to do it professionally. But I ended up taking classes um, that were focused on audio for film and video. And I realized I was like, hey, this, maybe this is the route I want to go into it. And one of the internships I ended up doing was working at a public access station in the 90s, um, which You know, they don't really I don't know that they really have them much so much anymore. But uh, back then it was like, hey, I can get a lot of experience just learning how to film stuff and edit stuff and working on, you know, sound and all these things. And so I got I got into it and, and, um, you know, I started getting ideas for making movies. But again, the digital video technology really wasn't there yet in the 90s. Um, So it was still like it seemed impossible to be able to make it work. Because of the ridiculous price of film and shooting on film and all these things, right? Oh, yeah. And I always thought if I was going to make a movie, I wanted it to look like a movie. I didn't want to look like a VHS cam kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, but then in the early, you know, uh, so, so there's a couple of events that sort of like finally pushed me over the edge to make it work. And that was in 2000. Um, sadly, my dad passed away from cancer and he was only 51. And like, you know, um, that obviously hit me pretty hard. Um, and I was sort of dealing with that. And then, um, a year later I got married and three years after that, um, my stepdaughter who was 13 at the time was diagnosed with cancer. And I'm like, okay, what is going on here? Uh, I'm surrounded by people I care about, you know, getting sick. And I sort of had like a bit of an epiphany where I was like, okay, well, my dad just died of cancer. My kid has cancer. I'm going to be next. Cause I'm, you know, I don't take care of myself as well as I should. Uh, you know, uh, I, <laughs> I eat too much, um, stuff. I shouldn't. I'm like, so I'm going to get sick next. Obviously that's just going to happen. So I need to make a movie now. So I just kind of, it was the, the push I needed to finally just get off my butt and figure out a way to do it. So, uh, I started researching and realized that, um, digital video had come to the point where i could make a movie for cheap that would look like a movie or at least really close to a movie right it wouldn't look like just those old vhs cams it would actually look almost like film yeah. and so once i realized that existed i basically you know spent all my spare time uh when we weren't dealing with uh, my daughter's you know illness and treatments and stuff um you know i mean there's a lot of cancer treatments are so ridiculous. Cause a lot of times you just sit there, you know, and watch. Um, and so I had a lot of downtime and, and I just needed something to focus on. So I started writing this script called the monster of Phantom Lake. And the reason I wanted to do that, uh, and this is where it ties back into my dad is I, I thought, okay, well, I may only ever make one movie. So I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to do it a as a tribute to my dad uh, because he loved these cheesy monster movies. He introduced me to them. So I wrote this film, the monster Phantom Lake and just kind of decided now's the time we're gonna do it and i got all my friends and family together and and i said we're making this movie no ifs ands or buts let's do it and we did (laughs) that was it i mean that was it it was like i needed how
2: how old were you when you did that like how long Uh, ago was it
1: i was 29 so that was uh 2005.
2: okay and how's your how's your daughter doing
1: now. Oh, she's great. She actually just turned 30. Okay. Uh, and she's, she's, she That's works great. in healthcare now um, yeah. and is doing very well.
2: Right. I was diagnosed with cancer when I would turn 51 too. Oh, just two, just two years ago. So when you were saying How that you about doing? your dad, I'm doing good. I was, I was lucky. I, I was uh, caught at stage one so yeah but it was ovarian so it's a a, not a good one so yeah when you were saying that about your dad i'm like i i I felt really bad for you because I know, I mean, and going through that, I understand completely. So yeah, no, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's rough. Let's just say that. Yeah.
2: Um, I, um, I was trying to like jump in and, and say things and I kept getting an unstable connection and it kept like cutting me out. And then I was missing some of the stuff that you were saying. So I was trying because when you were talking back about the um, the poisonous plants and the moonflowers and all of that stuff, it was triggering um this, question i had and you know for you um because you were talking about like these these movies from the 50s and um you know i i thought well how old are you because like you you were saying like that's your kind of where you're you know what you're co- like trying to like do you know like right. like like recreate you know? And so um, I just wondered like how you knew so much about the fifties era. But um, I remember when I used to watch these old movies, like on Saturday afternoons, they were like black and white and they were like thrillers. I, they would yeah. be the TV guide. Yeah. And there was this movie and I've asked people about it over and over and over. And I've been trying to find it for years. And I actually thought I had found it there for a minute. I thought it was the Tingler with Vincent uh, Price, but it, it's not. Cause I, after I watched that movie, I know it wasn't, but it was about these brains and there was they had like a spinal cord on them and they like could like you know, like crawl around and they would go eat people and suck their brain and their and their spinal cord out. And I n- remember watching it like back in the 70s, you know, on on a Saturday morning.
0: And, oh, it, I know and what it that scared
2: is. me. Huh?
0: I know what that you, is. Yeah. Pippy long it? stockings.
1: No, it's not <laughs> <laughs> I remember that part of Pippi Longstocking where she yeah. like the the brain stuck. stuck oh, yeah, that's the, the best brains. part. Yeah. Rip
2: the spinal cord out of somebody. Yeah. Well, I've been I've like googled everything and then I thought, well, maybe Chris knows what I'm talking about. Maybe he has seen that since, you know, um he, he knows like that era pretty well. It sounds like Well,
1: so. uh I I'm pretty sure uh it is fiend without a face. Really? I think so. Um <laughs>
2: without a face okay i'm writing that down okay yeah that, that was it's that it's mel, like mel
0: gibson these... movie in the 90s it's... yeah it's got these... my it's deadly fiend, fiend. <laughs> okay so
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the fiend without a face were uh, they're they're like these sort of they're invisible brain creatures but they're they figure out a way to see them so there's like these brain things with like a spinal cord and they like crawl in the ground and then they attach to people's like yeah. necks yeah yeah fiend without a face
2: Famous out of face. Oh my God. I, wow. I've been looking for like uh, 30 years for, for that movie.
1: Well, yeah. I hope, I hope that's it. I know that's. Well, I'm going to look it up. I'm... I'll
2: find it. I, I, I thought like when I um, like Googled it and, and I was saying like spinal cord and stuff, like, I don't know if you've seen the tingler.
4: Oh yeah. Have oh, you yeah. seen it? Okay. Yeah,
2: well it's, it, it has to do with like this mute woman and she screams and, and, and he somehow uh, like, does something with the power of the the, the scaring somebody like so bad right. you know like it's right. yeah it has something to do with like terrorizing them but um yeah and 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 they and the, and they get this idea from this mute woman that like I, and I, I haven't seen it for a while but um i knew when i saw it that that was not it <laughs> so yeah
1: yeah that, that's yeah. the tingler it's like a like a bug cool. thing it's in black and white for sure
2: i i know that yep yep
1: fiend without a face i think is yep. probably what you're looking for um are you guys there sort of like you
2: get yeah sometimes my connection goes out so sorry
1: (laughs) no it's okay uh I mean um to speak to the my weird obsession with 50s and 60s stuff um I think it's sort of it it stems from from my dad introducing a lot of that stuff to me and I was really close to my dad so um you know that was always sort of a after he he passed away and i i sort of revisited a lot of that stuff all those old movies and i was like god there's so many good ones that i haven't seen in so long and then i started um making these kinds of movies and it became i don't know it became a full-blown obsession i mean i i i I grew up in the 70s and 80s and you know into the 90s and stuff and so i mean i i love that era of of film and tv um and you know patrick can attest we've talked about this stuff before but um the 50 stuff is really—it's um, my weird little niche I got. I ended up in, and and I, I just—the deeper I got into it, the more I started seeing how much a uh, um, a lot of those movies are, are quite good, and never really get the full. They never really get the the respect some of them are due, just simply because people look at like the the brain creatures and like oh, it's so cheesy, you know. The special effects aren't that great. Well, you know, this is the the beginnings of of these special effects, which now they can do all, you know, with computers, but back then they had to make it up as they went along. And, and as long as you sort of look past that, I mean, it's like the original King Kong. Yeah. It looks sort of cheesy today, but it's still a fantastic film for what it is. And people nowadays, sometimes I think have trouble accepting things for what they were and how they are, as opposed to their sort of lens, they look at it through. And I come across that, even with some of my movies, people see, you know, not, some of my movies are meant to be funny. Uh, the giant spider is meant to be more comical than not. But my movie Guns of the Apocalypse, which is my Western, is not meant to be very funny. It's not meant to be funny at all. I mean, it's supposed to be, you know, dark and and very much of that style. I mean, I don't know anyone who watches A Fistful of Dollars and thinks it's hilarious. I mean, it's not supposed <laughs> to be, you know, I mean, and so sometimes I fight with with modern perceptions of of that era of just like well it has to be funny right if it doesn't make me laugh then what's the point it's like well not all those movies are funny i mean some of those movies are just great movies i mean i don't watch the day the earth stood still and be like it's not funny it's not supposed to be um a thriller a thriller yeah you know and so, yeah. yeah and so you sometimes fight with that um where modern audiences it's it's kind of the mystery science theater 3000ification of of old movies, which is fine. I like Mystery Science Theater 3000 for what it is. Um, But if a person only is exposed to those movies of that era through Mystery Science Theater 3000, I I have work to do to try and get them to see that. No, no, no. You see these, these movies can be entertaining and are well-made for the time in which they were made. And you do not have to riff on them to enjoy them. You can just enjoy them as they are. And so it just became, it's my niche. It's the thing. It's the thing I do.
2: Yeah. See, when we went, would go up to my uncle's house, it was before VCRs. It was before like, you know, you could, I mean, like, and we watched them on the projector. That was like a big deal. You know, that was like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, we didn't have anything to compare like that to, you know, so Mm -hmm. they were the, cool they were awesome you know like because I do remember I don't know if that's where you got your idea for your big spider but I did see a movie back then about a spider but it wasn't a tarantula spider it was like a maybe looked like a black widow or something it was like a big like black spider and it was like going around the town and and you know attacking people at the grocery store and 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 stuff like that and I don't remember much detail about it I just remember I loved it
1: you know, so, oh, yeah, I mean, there were, a yeah. Couple, there were a couple big spider movies of the 50s, particularly there was um, Tarantula, which is a good one that actually, I think is one of the first times you see um, Clint Eastwood in the movie. He plays a very, very small role and you he's, he's in a fighter jet, so you don't actually see his mouth because um, huh. he's got a, a oxygen mask on. Um, and then there was Earth versus the spider, uh, which is made by Bird Eye Gordon, which is another good one. Uh, my my giant spider movie was definitely built um, to pay homage to those movies. Um, That's and exactly just all what the, it
2: reminded me of, because yeah. I had never you know heard of your movies until um, the last couple of days, and then I was um, looking at the, the trailer for that that one and. And I was like, this just brings back memories for me of you know when we used to watch movies like this up at my uncle's house, and and how much I loved that, you know, and just like some of the like I I don't know if you remember there was a a movie about a um a big giant cyclops and it and it, and it would eat people and it would and would say more wine, do you remember that
1: <laughs> movie? Uh, that that's either that's, the movie. It's the another cyclops. one of your dreams.
2: <laughs> no, it's it's for real. Because I remember watching it when I was a kid. It would be on like late at night, in the middle of the night. And if I like woke up in the middle of the night, my pa- and my parents were up. You know, late. Uh, well, it was probably not. Are you eating the cheesecake probably-
0: before you go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, and it would be like this big cyclops, and he would eat, and like an ogre, and he would eat people, you know. And it's like if they didn't make make him wine, and they'd be like stomping grapes and making wine. And I, I maybe it was called the cyclops or something like that. I um, but um, but it was it was scary, you know, to me as a kid, you know, that him like picking up these people, like he was this big ogre, and the people look like little little you know, many, like they, they were look like a, like, like he was eating a chicken nugget or something, you know? So, <laughs> you know, and it was like, and he'd say more wine and then like fling them out there to make it to stomp some more grapes for him to make more wine or he'd eat them, you know? Well,
1: see, because- and that's the thing is like, I think, um, you know, kids, kids tend to like my movies a lot, I think, because um, they're scary enough to give them a thrill, but it's not going to traumatize them. Right. Yeah. Um and I, I, I dig that because when I was a kid, I loved those cheesy movies because they would scare me just enough, but wouldn't make me, you know, have nightmares usually. Um, and so I've, I've really enjoyed trying to, I don't know, reintroduce people to, I don't know, the joy of cheesy, low budget cinema, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, trying to, it's almost like, I'm sort of like um, community theater, you know I mean? You have high end Broadway and that's Hollywood, but. Community theater is 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 as valuable just to having sort of art that can be made by regular people, I guess. And that's kind of the way I look at my movies, is that my movies are to Hollywood what, you know, community theater is to Broadway.
0: Well, Chris, how long did it take you to make your first film?
1: I think uh, I, I ended up writing it. Uh, I was really determined to write it. Like uh, I ended up writing it in probably about three weeks where I just, I spent three hours every night working on it. And then if I wasn't working on it, I was thinking about it. And I went back a few times and made fixes and changes and all that stuff. Um, and I started writing that in about March of 2005. And uh, everything moved pretty quickly after that. We held uh, my my buddy, Josh, who played one of the characters in it, had uh, done a lot of theater. So he he helped me set up an audition uh, for characters and we found actors and we shot it through the summer. And, um, you know, because it's on digital video, as soon as you film something, you put it right in your computer and you can start editing it right away. You know, there's no developing or anything like they has to, used to have to do with film. And so I was basically constantly working on it whenever I could. So I started writing in March and I think by maybe October, I had finished the first edit of the film. So, I mean, I, I, I worked really quickly, um, a lot quicker than I do now, uh, simply because now I just, I, I'm a little more deliberate and I, I put a, I mean, that movie was built to be simple and straightforward that I didn't have to build sets. It was like, everything's in the woods. Uh, so we could just shoot it and get it done, uh, and shoot it fast. And even then I didn't, I don't, I didn't do as much coverage. I didn't get as much footage as I would now. And I just kind of banged it out. And surprisingly, when we finally released it, it got great reviews and 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 it suddenly got into all these film festivals and it just kind of uh, inspired me to keep going. Um, but I'd say six months from beginning to write it to having the final edit done. Wow. But then after that, there was a lot of um, like, I had to figure out I had to learn how to author DVDs right back in the <laughs> yeah, day.
4: Yeah, uh,
1: I had to figure out how to show it in a movie theater. I mean, it was just like there was a lot. There's a huge learning curve after finishing it to actually releasing it that following March. But now I've got it down to like a pretty standard process of how long I, it takes me to do things.
0: Well, what would you say was your most challenging part about making it?
1: honestly just m- figuring it all out as i went along okay. um uh my experience up to that point was I-, I knew how to do this the audio because i went to school for that so i knew i to at least do all the sound so that was cool um but i didn't know how to light it and i didn't have a person who knew how to light it so i had to do all this research into how to shoot because a lot of there's there's stuff in that movie that takes place at night in the woods so i had to figure out well how do i light the woods in the you know in the middle of the night um i'd say it's just the 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 learning curve of figuring out how to do things of learning how to light it and learning how to direct i'd never really directed up to that point so it was like you know what are my expectations what should i say what shouldn't i say you know and just kind of figuring out all the things that went into it um and i think there was um a wide-eyed optimistic naivete that went with that particular movie that I was just like, point the camera at it, press record and say action and see what happens. And, uh, now it's, it's like I said, it's just much more deliberate. There's a lot more that goes into every scene, every shot, every, everything I do. But I would say with that, it was just really trying to figure out, you know, where are we going to shoot this movie? How are we going to shoot this movie? Uh, how does this camera work? I just spent $4,000 on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Did you go to film school? I did not. I, um, I actually, like I said, I went to, I, I did get, uh, certified to be an audio engineer. Um, and then I went actually back to school to be a computer programmer of all things. Um, but Uh, You know, some of the things is is just the life experience of, uh, I mentioned, you know, working in that public access station really did help me out a lot in learning how to edit and learning how to, you know, uh, point a camera at things and, and, you know, check lighting levels and all those things. Um, But then I was, I mentioned I was, you know, I was a drummer in a bunch of bad bands in the nineties and and early two thousands. And, uh, Getting interested in learning how to record music actually helped me to sort of lower the learning curve on learning how to edit digitally because I ended up doing a lot of audio sequencing um, with recording music and stuff and realized that, you know, editing digitally is is basically the same thing as audio sequencing and, and recording songs, you know, into a computer Right. Oh, with a video video angle i mean you just add video on top of it so yeah um, i never went to film school but i think all the things that i had done and all the schooling i'd gone to and all the just experience i had as a musician and as a uh, you know doing the public access stuff was all the experience i needed to at least have a general idea of what i needed to do uh and then there was like i said there was just the learning curve of actually figuring out well how to how does this work with digital editing how does it work with lighting how does it work with you know scheduling and all these these other things and, and you know securing locations and all the things that goes into it um but it did really kind of in retrospect feel like just a, a whirlwind i mean it was it was a magic carpet ride it was just like we're just doing this and we'll make it work somehow
0: yeah
2: so is this your your main job now is this what you do for a living
1: yeah this is this is what i do now um, it's much less lucrative than when I was a computer programmer, um, by a lot. But um, it's much more satisfying, and I'm I'm much happier.
0: <laughs> well, I've got a I've got that. a two part two part question for you. Yeah. One is, uh, at what point did you decide you could do this full time and make a living? And two, how did you break that news to your wife? <laughs>
1: Well, okay. So I, early on uh, when I did the monster Phantom Lake, I just, you know, I, I self-released it. I just made a, you know, got a DVD made and we held a premiere and I sold it on my website and all this stuff. Right. And about, I don't know, six months after releasing it, I had actually secured distribution for that, that movie, the second movie, and actually the third movie I was working on at the time. Because uh, the guy who came in and, and liked it, liked the monster fan like so much, he's like, "I want more." Because he, he wanted to create, he wanted to create his own studio. Um, but you know, there was there was a lot more to it than I think he realized was was going on with it. But um, in the process of getting all that distribution, um, all the money I was making up to that point of trying to get my budget back which at the time was, I mean, now all my movies are crowdfunded, but at the time I'd gone into debt for all this. And I was sort of making chipping away at that debt on that first couple movies. And like, as soon as I got distribution, all the money coming in stopped. I just, I was no longer making anything. And honestly, I don't, I never felt like the distribution I had was really ever, I don't know, actually getting me anywhere, (laughs) I guess. And so, um, I, I sort of went back and, and ended up fighting with the distribution company because they were going under and they were going to try and sell my movies to other people. And, and I finally, I said, no, you know, you owe me money. I found out they owed owed me money and uh, I got the the rights back from that point forward. I started self-distributing everything again. And, and basically after enough time of having enough titles, I mean, that's really what came down to is just quantity. (laughs) Uh, of of how much how many movies i had um uh that i started realizing that i was just i had enough coming in from sales but then also i started doing crowdfunding in 2010 and i realized that okay you know with this i can at least make enough money to you know make it work i guess
2: what does that mean when you said crowdfunding what do you mean by that
1: like like Kickstarter campaigns where people people will like give me 20, 30 bucks to have their name in the end credits. And oh. then they get they can pre-order like a DVD or Blu-ray if they're up for that or otherwise. Uh, I know Patrick's done it several times.
2: So Patrick's name <laughs> is at the end of your movies.
1: Oh yeah, several of them, in fact.
2: Huh. How many movies have you made?
1: Uh I have made uh I'm working on number 17 right now. Uh and I have a Christmas are you on the well. edge of
2: 17? Yeah. yes okay well so, chris so
1: uh,
0: one thing i look forward to in each new release you put out is uh the monster mask oh you yeah al- you always have some unique uh costumes props masks stuff like that uh tell us about the guy that you found that does your uh your masks
1: so early early on um when i only had just two movies uh i did a, a local convention called crypticon which is still running to this day and uh I wasn't actually at the table when he stopped by, I was, I was off. I don't remember where I was, but I had some friends running my little vendor table and this guy came up and he was really interested in what it is I do. And he's like, I've never heard of these movies, but you guys make them. That's so cool. I love these cheesy old movies. I love these old monsters. And he, he said, he, he wanted to get in touch with me about the idea of helping out because he makes monsters. And it was like, Oh, okay. I never met the guy at that time and he sends me an email through my website i don't know a week later or something it was like hey i stopped by your table i picked up your movies i really like them i'd love to help out in some way i was like oh thanks cool but then it kind of went nowhere and then he followed up again later with um he started you know saying hey i'd really love to help out cuz he started coming to the premieres and stuff he's like i really love to help out um with your movies i make these movies i make these these, these masks, um, latex masks and stuff. And I'd love to design monsters for your movies. And, um, it's a guy named Mitch Gonzalez. And, uh, I was, I kind of, I don't know, just kind of blew him off. Cause I was like, okay, cool. I mean, whatever. Um, you have examples of your work. So he starts taking pictures and emailing to me and suddenly I'm realizing this guy is really talented. Holy crap. And so we started talking a little bit and, finally when i got to attack of the moon zombies um i said hey mitch would you like to design this particular monster because i feel like if we have a really good design uh monster design this will be something cool and he's like yeah i'd love to take a crack at it so he took a crack at it and he came up with one of the best designs of any of the monsters i think in any of my movies And from that point forward, it was like, well, Mitch, you're my monster guy. Let's do this. And so from then on, whenever I have um, ideas for monsters, um, I'll just like shoot him an email and be like, okay, so I'm making this movie and I need this. uh, And this is my thoughts. And then usually within an hour, suddenly he'll send me like a sketch. Uh, And from there, I'll be like, oh, I like that, but uh, I think it needs more of this. And then he'd come back with a thing and we go back and forth and we have a, you know, a shorthand now where it's just like, I need a mosquito man monster. Okay. I'm on it. And we go back and forth until it finally gets to it. And then he creates it and, you know, pours the latex and, and does all the molding and, and painting and when we're ready to shoot. Usually, usually when we're scheduled to shoot with the monster about a month later, he shows up with it. <laughs> Mitch can be uh, notoriously a little late sometimes, but that's, that's okay. You don't, you don't rush greatness. And honestly, I I adjust for it where I'll be like, I need it by March 1st when really I need it by May 1st because uh, he can be a bit <laughs> of perfectionist sometimes. So he gets into it and it's like like with the, the Wear skeeto costume. He had this whole idea and he'd sculpted it and he didn't like it. So he just kind of destroyed it and started over. Uh, and I think the final design is, is much better than what he had. Uh, so it's just like, I trust Mitch to get the right, to get it where it needs to be and get it good, get it right and get it good. I can't think of a single design he's made that hasn't been really cool.
0: Oh yeah. I agree, man. They're fantastic. So, well, out out of all the movies you've made, what was the hardest for you to make?
1: Uh, I think um, moon zombies was really hard to make. um, And is definitely up there uh, because The entire movie takes place on a, a lunar base. Right. And so we had to build sets for every room in the lunar base. And there's like a, over a dozen different areas. And so it ends up, um, there were, there were times where it was like, we'd have to build a set, shoot a bunch of stuff on it, tear it down, build a new one. And so it's this constant, constant fight with like, We'd shoot on the weekends. We'd start building in the middle of the week. We'd shoot on the weekends, you know, and, and it was just, it was a rough production. Um, we got a sort of a late start uh, at that. That year, the flu ripped through our production really pretty hardcore um, and, you know, got a couple of the older actors quite sick. And uh, it, was, it was just really rough. One year, uh, we got a freak rainstorm in December, which is really strange for up here. Uh, usually you get snowstorms, but not a rainstorm, but because and 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 because it was so weird and the ground was so frozen, uh, it ended up leaking into the basement and ruined part of the set because we just film in, in my I have an area of my basement that I turned into a studio. And so we ended up having to rebuild some of the set. I mean, it was just like anything that seemed like it was gonna go wrong went wrong. Um, but we pulled it out uh, in the end. And I think it turns out to be one of my best best movies, honestly. Yeah. but it really was um, grueling to make it that. And I think guns of the apocalypse simply because we shot so much of it outside in February in Minnesota, which is not a, not fun <laughs> or a good idea.
0: Well, Chris, you, you travel the country, uh, promoting and selling your films to all kinds of comic cons. I'm I'm curious, uh, what's the most fascinating event you've been to?
1: You know, um, There's this film festival in Lake Charles. Uh,
0: (laughs) I bet that's Uh, the weirdest event you've ever been going to. I'll give you more crowdfunding. Now now you can go (laughs) on and tell me the truth.
1: (laughs) Actually, no, I really do like your film festival. I do. I I, I will say like uh, the Lake Charles Film Festival is always fun. And uh, everyone down there is always so dang nice. And the food is so good that it, it is one of my favorite things to do. I'm just saying that. And that's not just me saying, hey, invite me back aside from hey invite me back uh i really really do love it and i I love going down there and hanging out there i I just Um,
0: paypal'd you a thousand dollars thank you very much thank you very much i appreciate that
1: Um, now now you can answer the question (laughs) i i i got to do this great event in um actually in pennsylvania um in phoenixville pennsylvania um called blob fest oh uh the movie the blob was shot in phoenixville pennsylvania
2: Oh my god i just had somebody here that, that was from down there and they told me about the blob they doing the blob because it was filmed at, was it at the actual movie theater that the original blob was filmed yeah. out that steve mcqueen was in yeah yeah it's still there yeah and then the whole town does a whole thing yeah. about the blob yeah That's i just had about. somebody that just stayed with <laughs> yeah, me yeah. just like uh like last weekend that talked about that and i have never ever heard anybody ever say that ever it's, so that it's, is so it, weird
1: it is so fun um and you know just to go there and celebrate you know it's 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 a small town celebration of a yeah. small town's weird quirky past yeah. but it's also you know it's what, up, you know the blob is is you, a quintessential you know film i come from era. a
2: weird weird quirky uh, small town do you know where i come from where is that Punxsutawney. The oh movie, yeah you got the groundhog day you know
1: the groundhog, groundhog day.
2: day yeah yeah you could do a groundhog day horror movie with yeah, groundhog yeah, so like, the groundhogs big giant groundhogs yeah they got like radioactive yeah radioactive <laughs> groundhogs groundhog
1: <laughs> It's not like Groundhog Day the movie. It doesn't repeat (laughs) itself. It's just giant. Oh, it could! It could
2: just keep repeating, killing people or something. Yeah, I mean,
1: it works. Yeah, Um, it's like that's what I'd say, I'd say definitely Blobfest is is one of my favorite things I've ever done just because it was so unique to be a be a guest there and show my movies. You know, in that theater with as a double feature with the Blob. uh, You know, it was just it was so unique and different and fun. Um, that it was it was definitely one of my favorite things. Um, probably of all of them, that's the one that sticks out the most as the most unique.
0: What's the weirdest you've ever done? like, like something Lake you went through and you were wondering, uh, how did I get into this? you know
1: Lake So Charles. there's this film festival down in Lake Charles. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I you know oh, I, actually, I have a good answer for this. Um, Edgerton, Wisconsin is a small town sort of south of Madison west of milwaukee uh and every year they do something called the edgerton the sterling north edgerton book and film festival and it celebrates uh their local son the sterling north who wrote a children's book called rascal about a raccoon
2: oh my god oh my god okay i watched that um <laughs> that it, 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 in kindergarten when i was in kindergarten i watched rascal and i raised six raccoons i have i have pictures of me with my raccoons ask patrick he knows i raised raccoons we talk about it all the time i've raised raccoons a a skunk a fox a red fox and a Any hawk, big big a, and, a, and, a grand, and a ground and a ground and a ground a couple groundhogs and um yeah and a gray squirrel yeah so, but I, but I have, I collect raccoons.
1: Red fox. Well, So, I'm glad you had heard of it because I hadn't heard of it. Oh my
2: it God. I love Rascal. Part. I love that movie. I remember as a kid because they made us popcorn and they put it in a paper bag. And I remember watching it in kindergarten and I've looked it up and I've seen it. I, I have seen it in the last like, say, 20 years. I've seen that movie.
1: So, yeah. okay. So, the guy who wrote the books upon which that is based was from this small town of Edgerton. And they started doing a, yearly celebration of this guy and then it really became a book and film festival to celebrate you know authors and and filmmakers and and independent spirits and they invited me to be a guest at the sterling north book and film festival and it was like i think they were it used to just be the book festival and they've started expanding into film and i think i was like one of the first film guests ever so it was like i felt really out of place um just because it was a lot of book people i guess um and so i felt like this weird outlier in the guest list um but on top of that the main guest was patch adams the guy <laughs> that the you know robin the, williams the movie based robin on williams, yeah. Yeah. um and so there was a lot of like poetry being read and all this stuff and it's like I, you know, we, everyone's introducing themselves. You know, Patch Adam comes up and gives this inspirational speech and reads the poem and all this stuff. And all these authors are talking about their writing process. And I'm like, I make cheesy monster movies. <laughs> Come see them. And so it felt really weird. Um, plus, they had the the um, the dinner the night that it started. They did like a dinner, and they had it at the local Masons Lodge. And like they showed us around, but then they're like, okay, well, this is as far as you can go. No one can actually go beyond this point unless you're a Mason. And I'm like, well, what 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 are you doing there? They're like, we can't tell you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is weird. Um, but so that was the weirdest thing, sort of ending up on this this small town event. It was really fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making I would love that. It Those was, two it was things really entertaining and really yeah. cool, but it was just i felt very 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 out of place
2: oh i thought i think that with the with the rascal and the blob those are like so up my alley
1: yeah. the blob absolutely blobfest is is i would go in a heartbeat they could be they could literally just say we want you back but you got to pay for everything in fact you got to pay us a hundred dollars five hundred dollars to do it and i'd be like okay here's five hundred dollars i loved mm. it that much it's yeah. just so much fun and they do like a recreation of the run out where you run out of the theater uh, acting like you're running from the blob and i did it one year and fell right on my face <laughs> in front of everybody so that was great and i was actually with my buddy mitch gonzalez and um another friend of mine who's been an actor in, in several of the movies and we all ran out together and i fell in front of mitch and mitch being my good friend um laughs and keeps running he, doesn't tell me <laughs> he just laughs and keeps running and i was like thanks man uh, he could have taken uh, your picture I, I mean, it was, I think there's still video of it somewhere. It's oh. pretty awesome. I came should put it I, in
2: your movie. Put it in one I, of
1: your I, movies. Seriously, I, I stepped funny and I stepped on a piece of paper that then slid out from underneath me. And it was like, well, I'm going down. I took <laughs> I took my friend Mark with me. I, I clipped his leg and took him down too. <laughs> but I figure, you know, when we watch the movie, people are running out and some people fall. So I was just recreating the uh, That's experience. Right. It was very
0: was. realistic.
1: I was going for authenticity.
0: There you go every every uh year at christmas time i get you new ornament oh yeah so my tree's an, or- to an up.
2: ornament an ornament
0: yeah what i say ornament
2: an ornament you know, an know ornament. what an ornament is i don't know what an ornament is i know what okay. an ornament is <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah but my tree's starting to get filled up with uh chris Mem ornaments and, and my mantle See? with the chris uh mim holiday uh card
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean yeah. i i started doing that several years ago and it's I just got a um, email from a random fan just the other day. Is like, are you going to do another holiday card? It's like, yes, I am. Uh, it's Can just. Can I get it now? <laughs> I, mean, I haven't actually designed it yet, but uh, no. Um, yeah, I mean, merchandising it's the it's where it's at, right? Um, I mean, yeah. I'm a collector of a lot of stuff. I, yeah, I'm a too. huge nerd, and and so I figured if I'm doing this, you know, people want stuff, so I create oh, yeah. stuff. Like I I've done like trading cards. Oh, I and, love you, trading and, cards. I need to make another. I, I think I need to make another uh, set of them, just because. Lisa, he's I, got I, a
0: I, jigsaw puzzle with with him yep. with all of his monsters around him. Oh, so,
2: I have OPD.
0: Yeah, she's a big puzzle nerd.
2: I, I have obsessive puzzle disorder. Yeah.
1: Well, uh we have a couple left. Not many though. So if you're gonna order one, now's the time. Cool.
2: Okay. Is it of a giant spider?
1: What uh, did it's, you say so, it was? I. It's a picture of me you. basically surrounded by my monsters. It's oh. my gym. I okay like well play. it
2: would be it would be good for halloween then yeah okay. we'll, yeah uh, all right i will have to look it up well we're gonna puzzle. give we're we are gonna give away um the giant spider on dvd
0: yeah nice. we're gonna buy a copy uh, for, from on and... this episode
2: yeah we're gonna do that and then you know our our listeners they have to go on our um on the pop ninja page and our code word is spider and they Sweet. have to send it to us and then they can win a copy of your movie Yeah, we'll,
0: we'll have a drawing and we'll send it to them yeah yeah,
1: I approve. I,
0: I well, Chris, we appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, a lot of fun talking to you. Uh, we hope people out there learned about you and are interested now in uh, watching one of your films, and they'll go to your website and order them. And uh, Lisa, you got anything to say?
2: I just want to say to Chris that it was a blast. I had a blast talking to you, and um, I totally am going to check out your movies, and um, I love that what you're doing, what you're doing, and bringing back like that old you know 50s black and white cool you know stuff yeah love it yeah,
1: appreciate a lot, it. Of,
0: a lot of fun well chris yeah. uh what's your next project i know you got the christmas one but after that
1: so i'm i'm wrapping up uh the the third film in the family kids trilogy ah. family kids and the day the earth abruptly almost ended all right um i'm just working on that right now and then uh, after that Uh, I haven't made any real decisions going forward on what's next after that but I figure I've been doing I've been going sort of nonstop for years now of of constantly going from project to project to project to project some of them overlapping that I'm just going to focus on getting the Christmas special out and then releasing this movie and then you know toward the end of the process start looking at what's next and figuring that out Um, so we'll see I got I got ideas but you know, I never know exactly what I'm gonna do next until I, until I feel up to it. I'm just trying to focus right now on getting all this stuff done.
2: We'll head on over to Pennsylvania. There.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, well, thank you again. And as we sign off, I'm gonna leave you with this final thought.
5: Dave, Doc Hallen's been killed. Doc Hallen, what happened? It's over at his place, you gotta come now. Oh, wait a minute, Steve, tell us what happened. Well, I'm trying to tell you. Now this thing had killed the doc. What was it? Stop with it, kid. But it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a mass
3: that keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's... Every one of you watching this screen, look out, because soon, very soon, the most horrifying monster menace ever conceived will be oozing into this theater. Teenagers see it first, like a falling star from outer space. Boy, that was close. Hey, come on, I want to
5: see if I can find it.
3: An old man finds it, touches it, and this is the shocking result. From then on, there's no stopping the blob as it spreads from town to town. It's indestructible. It's indescribable. Nothing can stop it. This town is in danger. How can it be stopped? Mob hysteria sweeps one city, before long the nation, and then the world could fall before the blood-curdling threat of the mob. Starring Steve McQueen and a cast of exciting young people.